St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Famer Tim McCarver passes away at the age of 81. Plus, we'll take a look at the new rules for pitchers in 2023, all on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Haffern, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also available on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe. We just passed that 4,300 marks, so appreciate all of you guys for uh, checking in and subscribing. Be sure to comment, that way you can interact with us. Hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. So not a great day. Not a great day as uh, it was announced that former player and broadcaster Tim McCarver Passed away on Thursday at the age of 81. Passed away this morning due to heart failure. Uh, the official statement that we have from the Cardinals was, we are saddened to learn of the passing of Cardinals Hall of Fame catcher Tim McCarver, a two-time World Series champion. McCarver caught 12 seasons in St. Louis over his 21-year career. Our condolences go out to the McCarver family and his many baseball friends and colleagues. He came up as a 17-year-old in 1959. Like, can you imagine that at the age of 17? Like, you just got your driver's license, you know? And a year later, you're in the big leagues playing baseball. Uh, won the World Series in St. Louis in 1964-1967. He was a two-time All-Star with the Cardinals in 66 and 67. Actually finished second in the MVP voting in that 67 season to fellow Cardinal Orlando Cepeda and ahead of the legendary Roberto Clemente. Over his 21-year career on the field, he was with St. Louis for 12 seasons, the Phillies for nine, the Red Sox for two, and the Expos for one. But after his playing days were done, he ended up extending that career in baseball and becoming an elite broadcaster, even winning the Hall of Fame's Ford C. Frick Award in 2012 for his Emmy-winning work in the booth. So many writers and broadcasters and fans across the sport have expressed their sadness on the passing of McCarver, including MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred, who released this statement. Tim McCarver was an all-star, a World Series champion, a respected teammate, and one of the most influential voices our game has known. As a player, Tim was a key part of great Cardinals and Phillies teams in his 21-year career. In the booth, his analysis and attention to detail brought fans closer to our game and how it is played and managed. Tim's approach enhanced the fan experience on our biggest stages and on the broadcasts of the Mets, the Yankees, and the Cardinals. All of us at Major League Baseball are grateful for Tim's impact on sports broadcasting and his distinguished career in our national pastime. I extend my deepest condolences to Tim's family, friends, and the generations of fans who learned about our great game from him. Foxfield reporter and senior writer for The Athletic Ken Rosenthal talked about working with McCarver, saying his favorite memory was from the 2006 World Series, the uh, first that uh, he had worked with as a field reporter for Fox Sports. He wrote, the Cardinals defeated the Tigers four games to one, but the showdown I recall more vividly 
was Tim versus Jim Leland prior to game three in the visiting manager's office at Bush Stadium. The heated argument embodied much of what I admired about Tim, his passion and his intelligence, his stubbornness and his toughness. Tim cared as deeply as a broadcaster as he did as a player. And in both professions, he was an ideal teammate. When Tim left Fox at age 72, he wasn't finished as a broadcaster. He spent the next six seasons working Cardinals games, and if not for the COVID-19 pandemic, might have kept going. His facility with the language was underrated. His knowledge of the game was encyclopedic, and his memory was phenomenal. Decades later, Tim could recall sequences from when he was catching Bob Gibson in the 1960s and Steve Carlton in the 70s, and a whole lot more. Now, Cardinals fans, we know all too well about the stories that Mr. McCarver would share during his final years as a broadcaster in St. Louis. And I remember as a younger fan, like watching when he would do the national telecast and hearing him talk about stories from the past. And I used to be, I remember I used to kind of bash on him a little bit because I'd be like, I don't want to hear about the old dudes. Like you've got all these stars that are on the field right now that I want you to talk about. Talk about these guys. I want to, I want to know more about them. I don't care what happened in the sixties. But as I got older, things changed, and I started to relish hearing these stories that he shared, especially uh, during those final years with the Cardinals. Um, you know, it's conversations they would he would have with his good friends Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and Mike Shannon. Um, I'm going to miss those stories. I really am during the telecast. I, I I remember my mom used to ask me. She'd be like, she like, do you like McCarver? Sometimes he rubs me the wrong way, and I'm like. I could hear him talk about things that happened during his playing days. I could listen to that stuff for days. I got no problems listening to that because a lot of those guys aren't, aren't around anymore. You know, we lost Lou and Bob in 2020, less than a month apart. Mike Shannon, you know, retired in 2021. He's not broadcasting anymore to, to share those stories. So there's not a lot of these guys around that can, you know, recall you know, as they, they brought up in those statements, can recall things the way that McCarver did, you know, to 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 the smallest detail. It, it was pretty, pretty amazing <laughs> that his memory would go back. I couldn't tell you what I did in, in high school half the time. And this guy's talking about things that happened, you know, 60 years ago. You know, and it's such an important era of Cardinal baseball, too. I, I just hope that it, it's not forgot, forgotten with all the, the new memories that, that we're making about the Cardinals. I hope these, uh, you know, glory days of the, the, you know, the 40s and 50s and 60s are not forgotten. Um, obviously, you can go to the Cardinals Hall of Fame and uh, see it all in person. That's something, you know, maybe I should do this summer because, uh, you know, I, I enjoy hearing about those things. And uh, again, it's going to be tough not hearing those stories anymore. McCarver leaves behind his wife of over 58 years, Ann McDaniel, and daughters Kathy and Kelly. Cardinals Hall of Famer Tim McCarver, gone at the age of 81. Now the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, it's super easy to use. Anybody who gets on there pretty much figures it out right away. It's not very difficult, which is uh, which is good, right? You don't want it to be a, a difficult thing to place bets and have some fun with the app. 
Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained. You can do the uh, smaller bets, add them all up, and combine them for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. That's uh, something that me and my little brother like to do, where we bet on certain aspects of the basketball game. Like I've mentioned many times, I, I like doing what the first bucket of the game is going to be. Dunk, free throw, layups, three-pointers, what's going to be? Small bet, put it in there, combine them all together, same game parlay payout. Pretty cool. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Be sure to check out Locked On MLB Prospects as well. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, yesterday we talked about the new shift rules that are, are going into place this season. Today we're going to switch it up. We're going to talk about the new rules for pitchers because they brought in a lot of new regulations on them, which are clearly going to take some getting used to, and we're going to talk about which pitchers these new rules are going to affect the most. We've talked about who we think is going to be burdened the most by this before, but I'll say his name a little bit later. So let's get into it. The pitcher timer is the first thing here. The length of games will still be determined by innings, not minutes, which is great, but to create a crisper pace, there will be a 30-second timer between batters and then a shorter time limit between the pitches. So pitchers will be required to begin their motion 15 seconds after receiving the ball with the bases empty, and then they'll get 20 seconds after receiving the ball with runners on base. If they don't, they will be charged with an automatic ball. Pitchers will also be limited to two disengagements from the mound, pickoff attempts or stepping off. They'll get two of them per plate appearance with a runner on first. The disengagements reset the clock. Batters, meanwhile, must be in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher by the eight-second mark on the clock or else be charged with an automatic strike. So what is the reasoning behind all of these new rules that we're going to be seeing? Well, again, they're meant to speed up play, to help keep the fans engaged in what's happening on the field. The attention span for humans these days, it's dwindling day by day, if you haven't noticed, okay? So um, a lot of people, especially the younger fans, perceive the game of baseball to be long slow, boring. Those are your, the, the words that are used to describe it these days. And um, the league wants to change that. You know, we, we want younger fans to enjoy their time at the ballpark, but it also doesn't need to feel like a marathon while you're out there. And we've all spent days at the game where you're sitting in the sun and the game's reaching a three and a half hour point and you're just dying. But you want to see what happens. You spent money to get the ticket, to get that seat. So you don't want to leave, but at the same time, you're just getting cooked out there in left field or on one of the baselines, you know, and it's uh, not an enjoyable feeling. So they're trying to speed things up just a little bit. So it doesn't feel like that. Now in 2022, nine inning minor league games using the pitch timer were on average 25 minutes shorter than 2021 games that did not have the pitch timer. So they went from an average of three hours and three minutes to two hours and 38 minutes on average. That is a huge change. That's huge. And personally, I'm happy about it. I think it's time that they 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 did this stuff and they got to stick to it though. They got they got to make sure the clock is keeping people moving, keeping the batters in the box, you know, when I was still playing, you actually didn't leave the batter's box. You know, that was a rule that was 
put into play while I was playing ball where you had to keep one foot in the box and you would lean, you know, I was a right-hander. So you would step out with your, with your front foot to get your sign from your third base coach. And then you go right back in the box. You take a couple seconds, boom, go in. And then, you know, it's game on. You're, you're playing ball again. Um, the days of Noma, Gassiapata, undoing and redoing his batting gloves and tapping his helmet and tapping his toes and all that, all that crap that he used to do before every single pitch. It's over. We're not, we're not putting up with that anymore. Um, you don't have to worry about that. But these rules are actually, I think it's more about getting the pitcher's tempo uh up to speed than it is really about the batters because you don't really see the noma stuff anymore right it's just not something that normal guys do but um this is more about getting the pitchers to deliver the ball in a timely manner you know and um it's going to be an adjustment it's going to be adjustment for both because not only is it you know the pitchers have to kind of get their stuff going quicker Batters have to be ready quicker because pitchers are going to be ready to, you know, throw the ball in. MLB talked to former Cardinals, uh, third baseman, second baseman, DH, all the things Matt Carpenter about, about the whole, you know, process. Because remember last year before he ended up going to the Yankees and putting up those silly numbers, uh, he was in the minors. So he actually went through some of this and um, he said initially that he hated it, but the pace of the game was so much better after he got used to it. So he fully endorses it. Uh, the mound disengagement restrictions, those are a little confusing, but they're using those to help promote stealing more bases. Same goes for uh, having the new bigger bases, which I'm sure you've seen pictures of, which uh, we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. But today we're going to focus on the pitcher versus hitter stuff. Um, the batter can still call a timeout. That's still fine, but they only get one per at bat. You can't just keep going time, time. You know, all of those times when you see like a pitcher they're in motion, and then they call time, and the pitcher gets all mad or throws the ball all wild. Managers start yelling. No more of that because that's you only get one time out. So uh, you're not going to see as much of that anymore. Uh, the batter must be in the batter's box and alert to the pitcher with at least eight seconds remaining on the timer. If he's not in there and he's not ready to go, that's a strike. Uh, so, again, no more stepping out, catching your breath, no reapplying the pine tar. Eight seconds. That's all you get. Then it's time to hit. Now, if the pitcher has begun his motion when the clock hits zero, is that a problem? No. He's still good to go. That is not a violation. But if he uh, hasn't started his motion when that sucker hits zero, then it's a ball. Now, how will the umpires be able to pay attention to all this? They've got all these clocks that are going to be set up all over the place. But a way that they were able to do it to make things easier on the umpires and uh, let them know that the, the clock has hit zero, they're going to be wearing a device on their wrists that will buzz when the clock expires. So he doesn't, you know, home plate um doesn't have to take his focus off the pitcher to go look at some clock, you know, like, you know, in uh, football, you know, you see the play clock counting down. You've got a couple of guys who are actually looking at it where uh, the actual ref, he's not, he's focused on what's going on with the ball, but he's going to have a buzzer over here on, uh, on his wrist. So he'll know. And uh, they're going to do that instead of having like a horn go off, like in the NBA when the shot clock violation hits. So um, now we all know <laughs> that there are issues with technology from time to time. All right. Pitchcom, we've seen how many times have we seen like, hey, I can't hear the catcher. It's not working. They have to go in and switch it out. I'm sure we're going to see that. I'm sure it's going to happen. 
but it's part of this process moving forward to get the game going in the right direction and speeding it up. So I would expect we're going to see many more violations earlier on, probably a bunch here in spring training because they're going to play by those rules as everyone gets used to it. Uh, one downside of uh, somebody Cardinals playing in the World Baseball Classic is the WBC is not using these rules. They're they're playing the, the normal way that we've known for years. So all of the guys that are going to be playing in the WBC don't have to deal with this stuff. And so they're actually going to kind of be behind all of uh, the rest of the people who are actually in spring training as far as getting used to these new rules. So that kind of sucks. Uh, for reference, in the second week in which the uh, pitch timer was in place in the minor leagues last year, uh, as far as getting used to uh, the rules, there was 1.73 total violations per game, which doesn't seem like a lot less than two. By week six for the minor leaguers, they were down to just 0.53. So it took them about a month to get into the swing of things and get used to it all. So, um, like I said, spring training, they're going to try it out and uh, get used to it before the season starts, and then hopefully everybody be up to par when we get rolling uh, at the end of March here. So, um, so which Cardinal will be impacted the most on the mound? Well, his name is Giovanni Gallegos, <laughs> who has been historically one of the slowest tempo pitchers in all of baseball. Last year, according to SadCast, he was tied with the Yankees' Jonathan Loizaga for the slowest pace at 19.8. 19.8 seconds with the bases empty, followed by a new Red Sox closer, Kenley Jansen, then the Nationals' Kyle Finnegan, and the Brewers' Devin Williams. But according to their page, over 63 pitchers, on average, took longer than 15 seconds with the bases empty which is a violation now. Three Cardinals pitchers averaged over 15 seconds, including Gallegos. The next slowest was our closer, Ryan Helsley, at 17.1, and then Jordan Montgomery at 16.5. So those guys are going to have to speed things up a little bit. With runners on base, you get 20 seconds to start your motion, and Gallegos clocked in at a whopping 24.8 seconds per pitch, which was second only to Jansen. Uh, everyone else is uh, either at 20 seconds or under. Uh, on the Cardinals roster, Palante and Helsley are the closest to uh, going over the 22nd. So, like I said, tomorrow we're going to go over the impact of the bigger bases and the new pitch clocks on stealing bases this season. But, uh, yeah, Giovanni Gallegos, man, we're gonna he's going to have some work to do this spring to try to uh, not – you know, have a violation every pitch that he's out there. So uh, we'll see if it, you know, kind of messes with his head. You know, these guys have been doing it for so long at the same pace that switching all of this up, it, it's not going to be an easy change for them. So uh, we'll have to see how it affects him uh, going on in this spring and uh, the very beginning of the season. Up next, we got news and notes from around the league to cover, including one former Cy Young Award winner who is none too happy with his team today. That is coming up next on Locked on Cardinals. As far as Cardinals news and notes today, other than the passing of Tim McCarver, most things were business as usual at camp. Uh, Adam Wainwright and Jake Woodford threw to live hitters today, including guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Uh, Derek Gould over at the Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com, he always puts up a lot of uh, small news and notes uh, on, on, the, on the website. So if you, uh, my advice to you is to get a subscription. I'm just going to throw it out there to you because they're doing so much coverage and it's all really, really, really interesting. And um, I can't tell you all about all of it in a simple podcast. So you should go read it for yourself. But uh, he did report that Woodford is working on a slider this year that he found on YouTube where some of you are watching this right now. And the idea of it was it was to get more velocity. That's what that's what he's looking for. 
Uh, he also said that young slugger Moises Gomez was standing in the batter's box for bullpen sessions today. Uh, he was holding a bat, but he wasn't swinging it because he was there to just watch because they're using this as a, a way to help him recognize pitches coming in and out of the strike zone because the problems with Moises Gomez at every level has been the strikeouts, and they want him to be able to see the ball better, to, to know what the zone is. That way, he's not striking out as much. He's not swinging at stuff outside of the strike zone and um, putting the bat on the ball more often because when he does that, <laughs> the ball goes really, really far like it did 39 times last year in 120 games. So um, he had no swings uh, during that particular, during the bullpen sessions. Juan Yepes was also doing this. Um, Gould also brought up that the Jersey ads, they're coming. So get ready. Uh, teams like the Padres, the Red Sox already have ad patches on their sleeves. Just a fair warning. And I know it's going to really upset a lot of people who have grown up with this game and love the classic look of a Cardinals uniform. I have some stuff over there probably at one point or another. It's coming, so you have been warned. But uh, once again, check out Gould's full breakdown on other things that happened at camp today and moving forward at stltoday.com. And finally, some trouble in paradise for the Brewers and staff ace Corbin Burns. The Brewers won their arbitration case against the former Cy Young Award winner. He's going to make $10.1 million instead of $10.75. Boo-hoo, right? Not a big deal. But Burns was reportedly more upset not about losing the case and missing out on some extra money, but more about what the team said about him during their hearing. Burns said to reporters today, obviously it's tough to hear. It's tough to take. They're trying to do what they can to win a hearing. There's no denying that the relationship is definitely hurt from what transpired over the last couple of weeks. There's really no way of getting around that. You kind of find out your true value. You think you work hard for seven years in an organization and five years with the big league club. And then you get in there and basically they value you much different than what you thought you'd contributed to the organization. Yikes. <laughs> Whoa. So he's none too happy with uh, what transpired there. And, you know, we heard this last year from Tyler O'Neill, and, and I kind of gave O'Neill grief. I'm like, what are you worried about it, man? It's just uh, it's money or whatever. Don't take it so personally. But it, it weighed on him last year. And I know we, we don't think that that, altered his game at all because it was more injuries that, that led him down the bad path last year of having a tough year. But uh, he, he admitted it. He said it weighed on him a little bit, but um, you know, these the teams, they go into these hearings and they basically tell you what you don't do right. You know how you aren't as good as you may think. And it's kind of a sucky process because these teams still want you on their roster. It's not like they're trying to get rid of you, but at the same time, they got to kind of bash you so that they win the case and they save some money. Um, that's just the way these things are set up. And it just does not sound like it's a lot of fun. It's their duty to tear you down so they can win the case. So I can see how it's hard not to take things personally. You know, it's like going into, uh, you know, so if you've ever been critiqued by a boss before and like, like in, in radio, we do these things called air checks and, you sit in with one of your bosses and they go through one of your shows or whatever and tell you everything that you sucked at, like everything that was not good. And it, it's it's tough to hear sometimes. You got to have some thick skin. And uh, we brought up in yesterday's podcast about uh, Ryan Helsley's going through this right now with the Cardinals. And he put out a statement saying, you know, I understand, uh, you know, 
how it goes down. You know, I get what their side is going to do, that they're going to say bad things about me. But he said he's going to keep a positive outlook on it. But still, it, it is not fun to hear how worthless <laughs> you are from the hand that feeds you, that you trust to have them have to come out and go, well, you kind of suck at this though, right? You know, you, you're not that good, are you? It's a weird, it's a weird process. And um, unfortunately, it's something that these guys all go through. So uh, Burns is said to become an unrestricted free agent after the season, which is why we heard his name this offseason, you know, rumored about being traded somewhere. Would I ever suspect the Brewers would trade him to the Cardinals in the division? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but with this new news and with the fact that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, if the Brewers aren't winning much early on, I wonder how long he stays in Milwaukee. I really do. And uh, one other signing of note, the Angels have agreed on a one-year deal with left-handed reliever Matt Moore. Um, got more money than I thought he was going to get. $7.55 million from the Angels. So maybe that's the reason why he wasn't on the Cardinals' uh, radar there. They were like, yeah, we're not going to give you almost $8 million. That's crazy for somebody who's only done this for one year. So um, maybe we should cut uh, Mo and the boys a little bit of slack for uh, – not chasing him if that's uh, the you know the price he was he was looking at. So, uh, thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Locked On MLB prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On tomorrow's show, once again, we'll continue on our segments for the uh, new rules for Major League Baseball this year. Uh, tomorrow we go over the bigger bases, which uh, I've been told. They've been described as they look like a big old pizza box <laughs> sitting over there. Remember as a as a kid and you would play out at a, at a you know, a, a park and the bases are all locked away. You couldn't get to them and you'd have to find things to make bases out of pizza box, the, the top of the pizza box. We used to use that. I wonder if that's what it looks like when it's sitting over there. I haven't been up close personal to one yet, but uh, that's what I've heard it's been described as. But uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about more of these new pitching rules and their impact on stealing bases uh, coming up next season, which is big news for guys like Tommy Edmond and Tyler O'Neill and uh, Mike Antico and uh, other guys who uh, use their legs as part of their game. If you haven't already, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals. 